Hello, everybody. Hi, this is Tom with the Ram Hit Show. We're live on Pride48.com. And tonight we have the one, the only Mr. Special person who's on a show that I love. I'm addicted. I watch it all the time and I'm sad it's not here right now, but it's called The Biggest Loser. And there's a gentleman by the name of Jackson Carter who is a contestant on the show. And if you do watch the show or did watch the show, he was on season 14. So we're going to be talking about that and so much more about Mr. Jackson. So without any further ado, let's give him a big ramble redhead welcome. Hello, Jackson. How are you? Oh, so good. How are you? I'm good. I'm all wound up. I'm hyper, 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 hyper. So. Oh, same and then some over here. Let's get this shit done. Okay. Now, um, now one thing I did want to, you know, what, what I do, because I um, see folks, I love a lot, many of the reality shows. And one of the shows I love, of course, is The Biggest Loser. And it's been on for a very long time. But as I mentioned just a second ago, for some reason, it's not on lately. And I asked Jackson about that. And he said, I don't know, but I think it might be canceled. So that's very sad news. That would be my best guess. Yeah, yes. I would I would say if they haven't done any casting and they haven't announced anything, then yeah, it's probably canceled. And it's it has to be Hollywood's best kept secret because they haven't made an official announcement anywhere. Yeah, and I, I know. I'm just thinking if it was canceled, because, you know, normally they're always list about what shows got canceled, which ones are, you know, renewed and all that. So I'm surprised that they haven't. Yeah. Well, it's possible that they're just trying to, like, maybe Shine America isn't interested anymore, so they're selling it off to someone else, and who knows? I I can't keep up with those people anymore, those L.A. types. It's too much for me. Too much for you. Okay, now let's go ahead and um, let's backtrack. Now, where where were you born, Mr. Jackson? I am originally from a Ute Indian reservation in eastern Utah. Oh, wow. Okay. And And I'm... Very, very white. Very so it didn't go great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, now, let me just ask the chat room, because there is a chat room. Uh, can you hear us? Okay. Let me just type that, okay, real quick. Hey, girls, in the chat room. Hey, what's up? Okay. So, um, okay, now, what I'd like to do, then, is we talk about where you're from. So, do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I've got one younger brother, one younger sister. All right. And so, you're you're the oldest. Is that correct? I sure am. Oh my God! How much older are you? I am only about a year and a half. So, but they they didn't space us out very far. Oh, they didn't. They pretty much spit us out one by one by one. Okay, they were baby making. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, now that's, that's what we're great in Utah. We're we're great at making babies. Okay. We, we've got that on lock. Okay, good. Now, the other thing I want to ask you. Um, is, of course, one of the questions I always ask of all my guests that's been on the show is, how old were you when you, indeed you realized that you were a homosexual? Well, you know, there's always the little things like growing up. Like, I really um, had a bunch of crushes on boys, but I didn't think much of it because you're a second grader. You're like, oh, I just think that guy is really, really cool and I want to hang out with him a lot. But uh, in ninth grade, I was 14. I uh, I had a crush on a boy in my ge- uh, my geography class, and I kept just thinking, that's not okay. That's not right. That's not okay. And then the the moment, my light bulb, my Oprah aha moment was uh, I was walking past the TV. My sister was watching Degrassi. I don't know. Are you familiar with Degrassi? Uh, I haven't watched it, but I, I know of it, yes. Oh, get, do yourself a favor and watch every episode because it is trash and I love it. <laughs> it gave us such joys as uh, uh, Drake. Drake was uh, originally a cast member on Degrassi. And it's just, it's a Canadian teenage uh, drama. It's phenomenal. Um, but that there was a character on there named Marco. And there's an episode where Marco is, uh, he's on stage, he's in a play. And he freezes up on stage, runs away. His dad comes back. And he says, Marco, what's wrong? And Marco says, Dad, I'm gay. And like that was like, oh, that's what it's been. I've been feeling the gay. Got it. <laughs> okay. But then like immediately after that, Marco's dad's like, you know, I can never accept your lifestyle. And walks away. I'm like, oh, shit. Well, now what? So yeah. it was just a long process of figuring all that out. Yeah, because see, that's one of the biggest things, and I think it's really important to talk about, is that, you know, when you're young and you're having feelings and you're not sure how to express it or what to tell people and all that stuff, that that's one of the biggest uh, challenges that a lot of people, especially if you're part of the GLBT community, 
And especially if your family's religious or whatever the reason may be, you know, fill in the blank. But the thing is that there's a lot of people that have to go through that turmoil. Because I know me growing up uh, when I was younger, that was horrible because I grew up in the 80s because, yes, I'm old. And uh, and <laughs> I had a horrible, horrible, horrible time dealing with it because, like, you know, just being gay or saying the word gay was taboo back then. So, oh, so scary. Yeah. yeah, very scary. And then I read articles today about these young people and uh, they're committing suicide or they're doing the drugs or the, like I read, yeah. I read an article just the other day about this woman who uh, found out her son was gay and she stabbed him and killed him. Yeah. Oh, is that that yeah. was done in Mexico, right? Yeah. yeah. Did you hear that? Oh, it was awful. so sad. Yeah, it's disgusting. So, um, so okay. Now let's get off that serious moment, but and sad moment. But let's go back to you because you, let's the, lighten it up. Yeah, let's, because you're on the show, and that's why we're here. Okay. But um, well, I was just wondering. So when you realized that you, in fact, were a gay person, and then who did you first tell? You know, I had a friend named Shelby. Um, that gal, she, she was actually one of my very first friends ever. I grew up, so I grew up fat, white on an Indian reservation and then moved to, um, a very conservative part of Utah. So I, but I still dressed and talked like I lived on the reservation. So I had like a mullet and I had like a really laid back drawl and a lisp. And so I wasn't a very popular kid. Um, and in fifth grade, my friend, I had a friend named Brianna and she was like the first person that ever interacted with me. And I remember her first day, she had just moved in from California. She sat down in the library across from me at recess because neither one of us went outside. And she said, you know, I'm a, I'm a level seven elf right now. But when I turn 11, I'm going to be a level eight and I'll be able to break your nose with my mind. And I'm like, oh, I'm like you. You're my particular brand of crazy. <laughs> so Brianna uh, eventually introduced me to this gal, Shelby. And uh, we were just like kindred spirits, you know, like we were the wallflowers. We were the kids that nobody wanted to hang out with. And we used to just watch, sit in her parents' room and, and watch old movies and eat garbage. It was great. <laughs> and so she, you, you did come out to her then, correct? I did, yeah. And how did she react? She was, she was stoked. Her actual words were, I fucking knew it! <laughs> so... She she was real excited about it. And then, uh, you know, it, the only reason I ever came out to her was uh, she talked about how in Sandy, she was she's from a town called Sandy. She had a bunch of friends growing up who were gay or bisexual or whatever. And I had never, again, really heard those words before. So I was just like, what does what does that mean? So like she just she kind of put herself in that position where she could be an ally. She could be a support system. And uh, I that was that was like a revelation to me. So I told her. And then she ended up coming out as bisexual to me, and then so did Brianna, and it was a whole thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, we we just kind of, like, found each other. Like, we, we just put on our little gay magnets and just attracted to one corner together. <laughs> well, good. So, um, so now, like, going back to, like, your family and stuff, when was when did you finally come out to them? Oh, goodness. Um, it was actually pretty quick. It was It was not too long after. I was probably... 15 maybe mm -hmm. uh and i told my mom first and it's only because shelby and brianna fucking narcs they uh my mom was giving them a ride home and they had mentioned something like oh i i know something your mom won't want to hear i'm like bitch she's next to you don't say that so then uh they my mom drops them off we're going to pick up dinner and my mom's like jack you really need to tell me because I'm, I'm just so scared. I was like, mom, it's nothing. They're just being stupid. Ignore it. She goes, I'm really worried about you. I'm like, you know, and then it's just like this moment where I left my own body and I'm watching myself tell my mom from the backseat of the car, mom, I'm gay. And she's real quiet for a second, which felt like an eternity if we're being honest. Right. And then she says, Oh my, thank God. I thought you knocked someone up or you had AIDS. No. So she she went worst case scenario yeah. immediately. Wow. And so, you know, we had a we had a good chat about it and I said, I please just let me tell Ma or let me tell Dad and and Lindsay and Jordan when I'm ready and she goes, "You you know I will." And we didn't talk much of it. We're not a very talky family. We don't 
feelings are hard. So she, she went and looked up a bunch of stuff online and just wrote me a letter and basically just made me cry like a big idiot for a week. <laughs> so she was very supportive. Very, very. Oh, yeah. my parents are the two most supportive human beings on the face of the planet. Like, I could be the second coming of Marilyn Manson, and they would, uh, they would just be right there with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's the that's the kind of parent that you want, you know. And as you know, there's a lot of people, unfortunately, uh, you know, don't have that. So it's, it's it's really good to hear when you have a good story like that. So that was really awesome. So um, so did you did you then come out to your dad later then? I did. Uh, this one was not as cute. Oh, uh oh. <laughs> Uh, we, no, he was fine with it. Oh. It was more, uh, my dad and I had a very tumultuous relationship growing up. Um, for some reason we just, he and I just butted heads at every turn. I'm not really sure what it was about. Um, but we got into a fight like we usually do. And I went into my room and I wrote a note that basically just said, um, I'm so sick of this goddamn family. We always fight, blah, blah, blah. Like normal teenagery nonsense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I said, P.S., Dad, I'm gay. I t- uh, Mom already knows. I'm just so sad I wasn't there to see your face when you hear it. And then I, like, crawled out my window and ran away for the day. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it, it, was, it was explosive. But I got home, and my dad was just sitting there. And he looks up at me, and he goes, I'm not going to any parades with you. And that was the <laughs> end of it. <laughs> that, was so, what? that was what again? Sorry. That was the end of it. That was wow. all we had. <laughs> so he didn't, so he never, he wasn't upset or he was just said, I'm not going to play. No, in fact, we've been ever since then, I think we've been closer than we ever have been. You know, we, we, from that time on, we've just had a, been very tight. My dad's awesome. My dad is like my entire life. He's an incredible guy. Well, good. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, again, that's very important. I'm glad that you had some happy, supportive parents, because that's that's one of the things we all want, we all need. And uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of people, unfortunately, that don't have that. So um, so it's really important to acknowledge it. And I'm glad that you two are closer together. I mean, the you, your folks. Totally. Anyway. So that's awesome. So um, so now the next thing I want to talk about is obviously, did you, did you come out to people then in school? Because you were very young when that happened. So did you come out at school then? Or did that was that kind of like, don't ask, don't tell kind of thing? Well, I was, yeah, I was in ninth grade, and it wasn't about to happen in, in Davis County, Utah. It's very, very staunch LDS, very socially conservative. Um, I remember in ninth grade uh, theater class, uh, we went around, we, ha- we sat in a circle, and my teacher was trying to get us to just be as raw as we possibly could, tap into our emotions, hippie actor nonsense. And uh, she, she was just, like, asking us these really tough questions, and one of them was, what's the one thing you would get rid of if you could? One of the boys said homosexuality. And I was like, okay, not going to happen here. Yeah. So, uh, but then I went to, I refer to it as the Island of Misfit Toys. Um, I went to, I found a charter school for science and the arts um, up north. And it was a complete pain in the ass because I had to take a public bus an hour each way to get to and from school. But that is hands down one of the best decisions I've ever made. I, I was the king of the freaks. Like I was the most popular kid in school, and that is not normal. <laughs> like, you you know that the 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 audience you're working with when I get voted prom queen senior year. Wow. So um, yeah, I I went up there and came out, and everyone was like, "Yeah, so what?" There were 18 others, so it was it was very interesting dynamic over there. Yeah. Well, cool. I mean, I'm. I'm glad that you got to change that because obviously if you go from one extreme to the other, it's a, it's good to know. And um, I mean, I, I remember, you know, just walking down the hallway and the people would like push the the people they would like to pick on. And luckily, I, I mean, I luckily for me, I was one of them and I get pushed to the lockers. Oh, you know, but a fucking faggot, uh, you know, and horrible oh, yeah. things and teachers were bad. And it, it's just I felt like I had no support at all. And uh, so okay. so it was really awful. And I think that's part of the reason why I do this show today is because I want to try to get people who have come out, who have, you know, stories like this and be able to share the stories and hopefully younger people that are listening to it now, maybe then they can say, Hey, you know, it doesn't have to be that bad. I can be who I am and I don't have to feel ashamed and, you know, and all oh, that. Yeah, so I think that's so. really, really good. Now, um, now once you finished high school, then did you, did you get some schooling uh, in college then? 
Did you go to college? Yeah, you know, uh, my my post high school life was uh, I just kind of bounced around for a while. <laughs> right. I uh, I was working for a nonprofit, an LGBT organization uh, called Outreach, um, and that's that was like my second home. I went there twice a week after school, and we were there from like three o'clock until seven or eight every single time it was open, and it was just like. It was, it was in the basement of an old church. It was just a real rundown building, and we had a 24-inch color television set, a bowl of pretzels, and Dance Dance Revolution, and it was the most fun ever. So um, eventually we got to grow that program and offer so much more for, for the kids in our community. So I was really focused on that, uh, going to school, uh, working a ton. My, my family... My family, I'm calling upper class poor in the sense that they made just enough money that I didn't qualify for any financial aid, but not nearly enough money to help me with any college. So uh, I was putting myself through school. Um, and then, you know, I, I went and auditioned for Loser and that was a whole nother thing. <laughs> OK, well, let's go ahead and get into that then. So, OK, now what I would like to do is ask you. So what I'm just curious, how did you hear about the show and then what made you decide to give it a try? Well, you know, um, I, like I said, I was living in an apartment, going to school. I was overworked to death. I was working two full-time jobs, going to school, and um, I held a volunteer position at that organization I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. And so I was just miserable constantly, never taking care of myself. I worked, I, I was lucky if I got like four to six hours of sleep every night and that's that was really shooting for the stars um and i remember one night i was in my backyard with my mom and and we were just chatting and i was bitching about something like i always do and um <laughs> normally she just lets me vent, but th for the first time ever she just like stopped me mid-sentence and she goes jackson are you happy and it was like that was alarming alarming to me i didn't ever really have to stop and consider my own happiness because you know growing up i got picked on so much again I grew up white in a double wide trailer on an Indian reservation. I was the only fat kid. I I was a very easy target. Yep. Um, and so I always figured like if I'm an overachiever and I, I work a lot and I go to school and, and, and if I can if I try to convince people that I like myself or that I have self worth, then maybe I'll believe it too. Yep. And and so I I just ran this on this hamster wheel of of people pleasing and, and self-indulgence and, and just hoping one day somebody would would validate me and validate my feelings and so when my mom said are you happy i was like oh shit i'm not no. <laughs> so uh she she gave me a challenge and she said jack i want you to do one thing every single day that is going to make you happy or, or, or is going to push you into the right direction or that is new. I want you to, I, I don't want this for you. You know, my dad, uh, she and my dad worked so hard. She got, she had me when she was 17. By the time she was 22, she was raising three kids. Wow. Um, yeah, very, very hardworking folks. Um, and they, I watched my parents struggle very, very hard to, to make ends meet and to, you know, provide a life for us. And they did a, an excellent job considering the circumstances. But she said, I never want my children to go through what we went through. Right. So um, what I ended up doing, I went home that night and I wrote out all my responsibilities on slips of paper, like three by five cards. And it was my apartment, my two jobs, my volunteer position and school. And I just rearranged them from most important to least important and I decided, you know what, the the two least important have got to go. So I quit one of my jobs and I moved out of my apartment, moved back in with my parents, who I love very much. But there's a reason that we don't live together anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I'm not a big like everything happens for a reason. There's fate. And I, I'm not, I don't really believe in all that stuff. But this all worked out very perfectly because like the week I moved in with my parents, I saw an ad that uh, Biggest Loser was holding open call auditions in Salt Lake City, and um, I was like, "Well, no, I don't, I don't think I, could, I should do it." And then my mom's like, "Well, what are you doing on Saturday? What's your, what's your one thing that you're gonna do to make your life better?" I was like, "Well, shit, there we go, Ma." <laughs> so, 
So um, I went down and auditioned. Yep. And okay, now let tell us about okay, like how many people were there when you went? Well, uh, in I think my city. So I went down to Salt Lake City. I think we had twenty five hundred people in one day. Oh wow! Audition. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I stood in line. So this is basically the audition process. Okay. Uh, you go down. You stand in line um, for about three to four, maybe even five hours, assuming you didn't camp out overnight. If you camped out overnight, you were there for the long haul. Wow. Um, so I waited in line for about three and a half hours. And then what they do is they take you in in a group of 10 uh, to meet with a casting director. And your um, your entire group has 10 minutes. So basically, if the gal next to you can stop crying, you get one minute to make an impression uh, and to get the call back. So it, it's it's quite a process. Right. So um, and so did they obviously they they liked you right away or did that have to go through several levels to get to the be on the show? Oh, it, I thought waiting in line for three hours was bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I and, and I knew I I had kind of done some acting like I'd always been interested in theater. I've always known that entertainment is where I want to work. And so I, I knew that the initial audition, the, you, you have one minute to make an impression. You got to make them laugh. Make them laugh first, and then you can cry later. Um, so basically, I put on my bubblegum pink blazer. I had a bow tie, just something that they would not forget. Yep. I went in there, um, and they, you know, she walked up to me for a minute, and, and she, she asked me, what are you doing here? And I said, I saw all these fat people. I thought we were in line for Cinnabon. And, <laughs> and so she liked me immediately, but you know, that's, that's not the first, right. It's not the first uh, option you get. Uh, there, there's a lot more approval. So from that moment on, I had a callback audition two days later. Um, and then they, that's an on camera. It's almost, it's very, very, um, how do I put this? Girls Gone Wild. Because <laughs> basically two uh, casting producers invite you into their hotel room, uh, talk to you on camera for an hour, and then ask you to take your top off um, for for audition pictures. Oh, so, wow. wow. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's alarming when you're 300 pounds. So um, is that how much you weighed okay. when you were on the show, the very start of the show? Um, when I auditioned, I was closer to like 345. My official starting weight was 328. 320. Okay. Okay. So now after you do the, what you just said, the audition meeting with the, the people and doing the video and then taking your shirt off and all that stuff. So what was, what was the next step then? So the next step over the course of about four months, um, it would go radio, it would go radio silent for a week. I wouldn't hear anything from it. I was like, all right, well, I didn't get picked. Um, I'll just do something else. Right. And then I'd get an email from casting director. Well, can you send us this? All right. Well, can you send us some pictures? Can um, we're gonna have our lawyer call you, and then I, you know, get a call from the lawyer, and they say, um, "Mr. Carter, can uh, we just have to be very, very clear? This is a serious call. No jokes. Please just answer these questions very straightforward." And then he proceeded to ask me if I had ever been photographed or videoed uh, nude, and I'm just like, "Come on, dude, you can't do that to me." Um, so after about four months of just sparse interactions with them, they finally get in touch with me. They say, we want to fly you to LA for in-person auditions. Flew me out there for two weeks, did just meetings with producers, wardrobe fittings, that kind of thing. They actually sent us back because on my season, we did a live reveal of the cast. Right. So they sent us right. back. They came home uh, with a camera guy. They're like, we're not sure if you're picked yet, um, but we want to just get something in case you do get picked. Uh, we just want to have something in the can. And I should have known by that point that Hollywood doesn't spend money that they don't plan on, you know, right. capitalizing on. So I should have known I got it, but uh, I was naive. <laughs> so they sent a film crew out. Then they flew us back about a week later, and we went right from the hotel uh, to the to the ranch. Okay. Now, okay, now, just to refresh people, because... They used to be on like Netflix. They used to have all the seasons, and I used to watch them. You know, again, I was a 
addict. Okay, but uh, now there's <laughs> there's really no way to watch it. So I was I was hoping to watch the your season again so I could ask you more questions, but because it's been you know a few years yeah. since that happened. Yeah, so, it's been a while. So don't be mad if I go. What? Okay. So now what I was wondering. So the, <laughs> the trainers that you had at the time was Bob Harper, of course, who's who is a very gay homosexual. Oh, and we he's also the have... love of my life. He's such a bitch. I love him so much. All right, cool. We'll have to talk about him in a minute. Then we yeah, have Dovet. What did you think of Dovet? Dovet's great, dude. It's very, very nice. They're, all three of them are very interesting. So it was Bob Harper, Dovet, Quince, and Jillian Michaels on my season. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't say I have, like, I don't really have a favorite. They all just, they're very different in, in how they train you. Um, but yeah, I, Bob is hysterical and I really enjoyed his workouts and Dalvet is very inspirational and mm -hmm. makes you feel like you can do anything. And Jillian just screams at you until you try it anyway. <laughs> right now you were on the red team. So was that Dalvet's then? I was on Dalvet's team. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, uh, so I'm trying to remember, cause I don't remember what season they did, but they did like switch things up. So did you work with Bob? Did you work with Jillian? Um, uh, or was it mostly him? Do, we didn't do like a, a team shuffle, like a lot of seasons. We mm -hmm. stuck to um, our trainers until we went to individuals. And then we just kind of bounced around and worked with everybody. Right. Okay. Now, one thing I do want to tell you, Jackson, one of my biggest pet peeves about the show that sure. I, I think is the most annoying thing is that they work you poor people to death, and then yeah. then they show you puking. I mean, I I I mean, I'm all for working out and you know eating better, but I really don't need to see the throwing up. Do do you agree? Yeah, with no. that? And I threw up a lot. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was the, the I, every time I I see I got recognized on the street for a long time. It, I was either that kid that threw up all the time or that gay kid. <laughs> so those are, those are my two identifiers for sure. Um, no, I, this is, this is what I say about that. Um, people, people like to believe that loser is a health show and, and to a degree. Yeah. Because I think it's really changed how a lot of people see their lives. And I've met tons, probably hundreds of people who walk up to me and they say, this show changed my life. This was amazing. Um, this is exactly what I needed to, to get me going. And that feels really, really good. That's awesome. Yes. Um, yes. But it is not a health show. What we're doing is not healthy. It's not good in the long run. And, right. and what, it's a weight loss game show. We're losing weight to win a prize. Um, like, and, and if you try to assign it anything more than that, it's, it's not much different than Survivor or Big Brother. Like, you're, you're, it's just a different way how we survive through each week. Right. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. It is tough. It is challenging. And, and I think they're, they do go a little hard sometimes, but there's also a lot of good that has come out of it. Right. I mean, I think that, you know, there's been a lot of negativity or criticism about the show because it's, oh, it's showing. But I haven't that oh yes you have so uh because you know a lot of people are saying this is you know the unhealthy way to lose weight you know you shouldn't lose it this quickly you know you have the long-term effects that you have to deal with and all this stuff and you know and i agree with that but i think for the the heart of the show is wanting to try to get people to understand that what you do what you eat and if you you know exercising is an important part of your life and you know and you know like for example i remember i can't remember the guy's name now but i remember there's this one guy who was on the show and he was like 200 and some pounds and he, he got down to 180 pounds and he was on mm -hmm. all these medications like um, heart, you know, acid reflux. He had, I mean, stomach issues. He, I mean, he had everything under the sun that he had to do. And then when he lost all the weight that he, you know, I met with the doctor and the doctor said, Hey, you don't need to be on any of this stuff now at all. And he's completely off the medication. It was just, and see, like I've been talking to my sister because my sister's on like two high blood pressure medicines and, you know, and I'm always talking to her. I said, Kimmy, you know, if you ate a little bit better, you cut out the pop. If you stop, you know, you know, eating so much salt, you could actually eliminate all that stuff. And if you, sure. if you, you know, you wanted to, and she, she would bitch and moan about being on the pills, but then she didn't really do anything. And I think that's what I love about the show is that if it gives you the motivation, but the bottom line is it's up to you to, to do it. And, you know, and make that decision, say, OK, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start eating better. I'm going to start walking. I'm going to start working out. And I think that's part of it. If you don't have it in your heart and your soul and your your brain, then you're never going to accomplish much. So I just think it's that's what I loved about the show. I mean, I loved 
but you know, I like Bob. I like, I mean, all the trainers. And I just feel that, you know, the message that they were trying to instill, because I remember the one episode where they would just talk about, you know, the sodium in food or the, you know, and just make you think like how many calories is in this meal. And I sure. would, I would ask people and they would say, Oh, it's this. And it would always be way less than what it really is. Way. Yes. Yeah. And I, I just think that's, you know, a lot of people, and then they wonder why, you know, uh, obesity is such at a high rate now and, uh, and the food options that we have and the price of fast food versus the healthy food and, you know, and all that. So we can get in all that, but, but I just think it's, it's something that I thought I did like about the show. And, well, and, and to kind of snowball off that point too, yeah. I mean, I, I don't consider my greatest accomplishment on the show having lost the weight. The weight, I it could come or go. What I really got from the show personally, and, and I, I'm not speaking on behalf of any of the other contestants, you know, everyone kind of has their, their own experience. But um, I I grew up a lot on that show. Like I said, my, I came from a very poor family, and we I didn't have the... Uh, means for a traditional college education. I didn't get a dorm. I didn't get to go out and and party and hang out with my friends. That was my college. That was my my chance to get out and and not worry about work, not worry about anything, but but what I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And um, I reluctantly, um, under the guidance of our therapist and our trainers, kind of decided what. I, what life I wanted to carve out for myself. And, and that was to say it was liberating would be an understatement. Like that, that is the most useful thing I've ever gotten out of the show. And I think most of the time, if not all the time, um, obesity or weight gain or, or whatever is just a side effect of something that's going on emotionally inside. Yep. Um, and, and I, like, I, I never, it, Weight doesn't matter to me anymore, to be completely honest with you. Like, I, I don't ever really think about how much I weigh, how much they weigh. Like, that weight does not factor into, into my view of the world anymore because I, I have decided that I don't care how big I am. Am I happy? Am I doing what I want to do? It, um, am I not letting anyone give me any shit? Am I, am I putting people in their place when they overstep their bounds? You know, am, am I... Uh, allowing myself to say no to things that I don't want to do. Um, and I think that is all so much more valuable than having a, a scale weight. That's a little less day by day, right. because, because now that I'm not going to say that keeping the weight off is easy now, but I, I have, um, I have all the tools because I, I have the wherewithal to say to myself, I matter. This is important to me. And, and, I'm going to take care of this before I do anything else. Yeah. And I, I've made, I've, I've, I learned to make myself a priority and, and that's not something I ever knew how to do before. And I think if anybody is listening right now, if you don't take anything else away from this, learn to make yourself a priority, learn what you want to do. And even if you don't know what you want to do, just start doing shit, go out and do shit until you decide what shit you like and then keep doing that. Yep. Um, because it, everything that seems like a problem just, melts away you don't have to worry about it anymore yep so before you went on the show did you feel that <coughs> you were you know holding that back you were were you do you feel that that you really weren't looking at you and committing to yourself and being honest with oh, yourself 100 percent. Yeah, yeah i i was a grade a people pleaser like my i i woke up every day thinking about what i could do for everybody else. And I worried so much about what other people thought of me. And, and I was just, I was so concerned about all of that. Um, and, and I, I had to just be perfect all the time, no matter what. Um, and to be honest with you at that time, at the time I was at my heaviest, I had just kind of resigned my life to that. I'm like, all right, I'm just fat. I'm always going to be fat, but maybe if I'm, I'm really nice or really popular or, or people like me, they won't notice that. And, and so I focused so hard on what everybody else wanted from me that I never stopped to think about what I wanted for myself. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of, God, it's been, a, it's been four years now, so pardon my spotty memory. Oh, sure. But uh, um, I remember, it, I think it, it was either our therapist, um, possibly Jillian, 
But I remember I it was so oh no no it was our uh, athletic trainer I had sprained my ankle, and he we were doing physical therapy, and um I was just I was sobbing because I couldn't stand on one leg for thirty seconds, and and he's like does it hurt I go no, let's go again and and he just said he looked at me and he goes you've never been bad at something before have you, I go what. I'm bad at things all the time. He goes, no, 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 no. You've never allowed yourself to be bad at something. I go, well, no, of course not. I, I have to be perfect and good and all, all the time right. And uh, he goes, I will, I, basically, I won't allow you to leave this place not having failed at something. And and he forced me to be bad at things. And, and like I said, I have the most supportive parents in the world. They're incredible people. But my entire life, anytime the going got rough, I was allowed to quit. I never stuck with a sport. I never stuck with, you know, really anything growing up because I never had to. Um, and and because my parents were just like, that's okay. You'll find something else. Like they never made me be bad at something before. And so um, – the this guy giving me permission to be bad and and saying you know what that's okay you're still gonna have to do it until you get through it um even no matter how tough it is like i i learned so much about sticking with it and sticking to your guns and and it's okay to be bad at something it's you're not embarrassing yourself you're not um nobody's gonna think less of you because you couldn't do something just get the fuck up and keep doing it (laughs) you know Well, I mean, I can, I mean, I have to, as I was listening to you explain that, um, I have to say that I, I guess I have that condition as well, because one of the things that I, whatever it is, like if I see, I don't know if you know that, but in Chicago, they have a thing called Hustle Up the Hancock, and it's the, you climb 94 floors, and uh, and oh, yeah. and I've done it like the two or three times now, and I'm going to be doing it again in February. And the, the thing was is that after I got done the last time, I didn't do it this last year, but the year before, and I, I clearly remember right after I got done, and I did it in like in 20, I think 28 minutes or whatever, and, uh, and I get done, and the whole time as I'm walk, or taking the elevator back down to see my partner, um, I, I was like, damn it, you could have done that faster. You know, you should have done, yeah. you should have trained more. You should have, you know, all this stuff. And then I'm talking to other people, and I post the pictures and I showed the medal and I'm doing all this stuff. I'm like, hey, I did it. And they're like, oh, wow, congratulations. That's awesome. I would never do that in a million years. That is the craziest thing to me. And I also have a, a dear friend who lives in Chicago and he runs half marathons and marathons. He's run like two uh-huh. full marathons in a month, like two weeks of each other. And he goes, oh, I'd never do that. That's insane. Yeah, So it's tough. And so what happened was I finally realized after he said that, it's like, wow, you know, I am lucky that I'm able to do that. And, and I did it. It doesn't matter what time I did it. And it's just the fact that I did it. And I set my goal right. to do it and I got it done. And the thing is that you don't know this, but but at the end of the, this last year, I ended up uh, having an issue with my back and I had a pinched nerve in my leg. And and I, oh, yeah. and I did not work for like two months. And, oh, and, I, and I had to go through physical therapy and had to go through this stuff. And it was horrible. And, and now I'm, you know, I'm much better and it's been almost a year now. And the thing is, is that I look back at that time of the year when I was in horrible pain, I could hardly walk from the bedroom to the kitchen and it was in so much pain. And now I'm able to walk and every day I've been walking 10,000 steps and all this stuff. So I just, it made me realize that the only limitations I have on me is me. And I, and I think that's, yeah an important thing. And I really love what you just said, because I really think that no matter who you are, no matter what you want to accomplish, whether it be to, you know, manage your funds or uh, to go to school, or if you want to lose weight or whatever it is, you just got to start somewhere. You got to, you know, pick that battle and, and just go for it. And, and, you'll, and, and the, you're going to fail and you're going to fail so many times before you get good at something. Right. You know, no nobody is born just intrinsically great at what they do. Right. You know, you, you watch the Super Bowl and you think, oh God, those guys are amazing. Um, how nice would it be to be an athlete like that? But you don't watch the year of practices and, and injuries that it takes to get there. You know, you don't see that part. When you only look at the success, yep. you forget how much work goes into it. Right. It's like, you know, I work for a radio station now. I do a lot of bits. They, they're, it's stressful. It's a lot of work. I, I work for three or four 
or five hours on one bit that is going to air for two minutes. Right. So what seems so effortless and what seems to flow just without seamlessly takes a lot of goddamn work. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and now I, now I kind of understand that I'm allowed to take that time to invest that time in myself. And it's not going to be an instant, you know, uh, payoff, but it's going to pay off. And the most important thing is I'm not looking for other people's approval anymore. I'm only looking at myself. I'm only trying to be better than myself. And when that's all you're trying to do, it doesn't matter. Yep. You're going to, you're going to fucking soar. Yep. You know, and that, and that's really good advice. And I really hope people listening will take this to heart because, you know, and I think like I was talking to my sister when I saw her, and uh, down in Indy this last week. And one of the things she said is that, Tom, the one thing I love about you is that you're very committed. So when you make a goal, okay, I'm going to do this. Like I was a vegetarian for a full year and everybody's like, oh, you're never going to make it. But I did. I did it for the full year. And then I realized that I couldn't handle it anymore. And then, uh, you know, the same <laughs> thing, same thing with like working. And I mean, like every day for this year, I've been walking at least 10,000 steps. And that's been my goal. And awesome. every single day I've been doing it. And, uh, and so I just, I just got, I love challenging myself and doing different things. And I think that's really important. So if anyone's out there who's wanting to go for a goal, you know, don't limit yourself and just give yourself those baby steps at the very beginning. And then once you get going, once you start accomplishing and like do that mile, do the two miles, do the three miles, whatever it is. And then once you get there, you're going to be amazed about how you are now versus how you were at the very beginning. And I think that kind of ties in back to the show because I wanted to ask you, because obviously, you know, your, your personality, how you looked at things and the story you just shared. Um, what, was there anything else that really stood out for you as far as, you know, the people on the show, the trainers, or was there anything else that really stood out for you that you could share? Yeah. I mean, um, it, th that was probably the toughest six months of my life. It was, like going to boot camp, um, I'm not to, you know, cheapen the experiences of anybody in the armed forces or anything, but it is, you go, you go from not working out at all and eating like trash to, you know, learning how to cook your own meals and, and work out. And we work out four to eight hours a day and you, you lay in bed and you're just sore from the very tips of your hair to the very ends of your toenails every part of your body just aches and you're laying in bed and you wake up thinking shit i've got to get up i've got to do this again i have to go face those trainers in that gym i'm gonna get yelled at i'm probably gonna throw up um and you you just have to shake yourself awake and and, and get back to it um and that sounds horrible. It does. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. That sounds really, really bad. I would not change it for the world. There, there, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Knowing what I know now, I would still do it. Knowing that it, it is going to be eight hours a day of intense labor and, and um, boredom because there's nothing to do at the ranch. <laughs> you know, we don't have TV. We don't have internet. We don't have phones. Um I would I would not hesitate to go back because the things that I learned about myself and the relationships that I forged with the other contestants and and with the the crew, um, that I I'm still really tight with a lot of the contestants and the crew today, uh, even though we live in completely different states and and life tears us all in different directions. I I went through the most transformative parts of my life with those people and you don't break bonds like that. Right. Well, I was just wondering, because I know I read, I just read the article, but um, uh, the, you know, about how much you lost on the show. Can you go ahead and tell us how much you lost? Yeah, I lost a hundred and nine. Excuse me, um, I weighed in at a hundred and ninety-eight pounds. I lost one thirty-eight total from start to finish. And that was a six-month period. Yeah, about six months. Wow, that's pretty, yeah, pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah it was because i remember i remember watching that show and seeing the difference with you know with you and i mean I, th I that's one thing i thought was really incredible about the show because they would always show um because when you see the when you see the contestants on the very first episode and then you see the finale and you get to see it's just amazing the transformation in in that six month period it's just phenomenal the night and day difference and there's some you know obviously there's some that that you know have some struggles and you know you see that they lost weight but 
But even if you, I mean, like they had a couple of people, I mean, they lost like 50 pounds, but 50 pounds is amazing for a six month period. So, um, yeah, that's insane. Yeah. And so when you lose like the levels that you did and a lot of other, the, the people that win, uh, it's incredible. I mean, like one, I remember one season, the one gentleman like lost half of his body weight in that six months. So it's pretty, uh, incredible. So, um, let's see. I was gonna. I had another question. And it kind of went bloop, out of my ring. So, um, so okay. Other people that were on the show with you, which one would you say uh, floored you the most as far as how much they lost? Um, you know, I was I was very very surprised uh, to see Lisa Rambo. Um, she got, she got eliminated pretty early. She left week five. Uh, she was on my team, and so I hadn't seen Lisa in in months. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she walked, she walked onto the finale stage and I'm watching, I'm watching backstage cause finalists are kind of quarantined. So I hadn't seen her yet. I hadn't seen any of the contestants. And I remember, uh, Lisa walking out. I was just astonished. And I thought, I thought for sure she had the, the at home prize locked up. It ended up going to, to, um, another gal, Gina, who, who looked incredible, mm-hmm. but Gina was there filming with us every single day. So I, it, it was kind of like, I saw her gradually losing the weight. So to see Lisa, you know, for five weeks and then no contact for another four months. And then she walks on stage looking like that. I just blew my mind. Wow. Well, okay. Now, what I'd like to do is um, kind of segue into another uh, segment I would like to talk about. Because, see, one of the things that I find really fascinating about the show is, like, of course, when the show's on, you know, there's millions of people watching. And, you know, and normally when the show is being aired is that the episodes have already been recorded and then they're they're posted way later after you've been on the ranch. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. So, and then obviously with Facebook and Twitter and and all this stuff. I mean, I'm sure that you probably got a lot of interaction from people or you you saw people watching the show and then, you know, leaving feedback. And and one of the things I was just wondering because obviously you were out and about on the show as a gay person, I was just wondering, yeah. did you get a lot of, I mean, either good or maybe not so good feedback because of of you being gay or you being on the show. And, and I was just wondering if you could talk about that, you know, good or bad and, and you know, how that made you feel uh, as you were going through it and then watching the show, like with everybody else, I was just wondering what your feedback on that would be. You know, I, uh, when I was auditioning, this is when they flew me out to LA the first time to audition with the, with the other contestants. Um, And they, I had two producers come up to my room and they asked me, you know, Jackson, if we've never had an openly gay contestant before. Um, it's not like they were really hiding anything. It was just more like it wasn't important to the story. But, you know, I was working for gay rights organizations. Um, bullying was a big part of my story. So we couldn't ignore it. And so they said, so if we picked you, you'd be the first openly gay contestant. What does that mean? And I just looked at him and I said, it means the same as being an openly straight contestant. I, I'm not coming here with some agenda. Like, I, I'm here just like all the other fatties. I want to lose some weight. Like, you know, <laughs> yep. uh, that's that. And, and the the male producer was just like, that's exactly it. That's what we wanted to hear. That was that was perfect. Um, and so I I think. I think the biggest thing with with any honestly any um, civil rights equality uh, LGBT equality women's rights um, is is really putting a face to the na- uh, to the name you know you when people hear the word gay or homosexual you, it, it's easy for them if they've never met somebody to just just completely um, ignore the fact that these are human beings and to demonize them and, and, or, and criminalize them. And so when I, sorry, my dog is scratching herself. Oh, ball. we were trying to, what are you doing? <laughs> we were trying to be so deep and you had to go do, be a dick like that. Um, <laughs> sorry about her. She's, you ruined the moment. Oh my God. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, but I mean, basically when, when you don't know, when you haven't interacted with, with a gay person before or a black person before it, it is so easy to dehumanize them and to forget that those are, there are people under that. And so I think the biggest thing that, that my story did for um, the audience 
was I wasn't just some gay out there, you know, running around a parade float, shaking my dick at people. I was, you know, I could be their neighbor. I could be their son. I could be, you know, their best friend. Uh, and, and they wouldn't like that, that really hit home for a lot of people. I got so much outreach through social media. Just, you know, I, I want to thank you so much for, for helping me through this. Um, my, my daughter is trans and I can finally say my daughter instead of my son. And it, it, you know, it's really helped me open my mind. And I just got so much of that. That was absolutely incredible. Now did I get a couple of trolls. Yeah. The internet's full of them. It's, it's like, you know, walking outside and stepping on a rock. You're going to, you're going to come across something. Yeah. Um, but, but overall I had a very, very positive reaction to my story and, and people were just so happy that um, they, they treated my story well. The, and I, I want to shout out to the producers for doing that because they, they could have taken my story any way they wanted to, you know, you play, you can play the exact same words in a different context with different music and suddenly you're a villain instead of a hero. Um, and I think they, they treated my story with a lot of dignity and a lot of respect. Yep. Well, that's good. Well, see, the reason I wanted to ask that question is because I thought it was really interesting that you were openly out on, on that season. And then the following season, uh, there was a contestant, Bobby, who is from Chicago and he was on the show and, and he was, you know, struggling with dealing with it and, you know, accepting who he was. And then on the episode, I, I will never forget this episode, and you can find it on YouTube if you want to watch it. But Bobby is having a conversation uh, with Bob Harper. And then Bob Harper on that particular episode came out as gay as well on that show. And that was the first time in the 15 years that Bob had mentioned anything. I mean, I know that because I remember years ago, I remember seeing a video where he did like a gay gym thing. Uh, and there, I can't find it anymore, but there was a video where he and a couple of these other trainers were on the show and they said, Oh, you can need to come to our gay gym, you know, blah, blah. And, uh, but that's the only thing that I ever found that had anything to do with Bob, you know, being out. And I just thought it was really interesting how Bobby was on the show and he was having the struggles, but then Bob felt he needed to share with Bobby. And then they both came out. And then of course, you know, a lot of people were very supportive of, uh, Bob Harper, as well as, you know, Bobby, uh, you know, going through their, you know, announcement. And I thought it was really important because I really think that that's what I love about TV is that they can show all kinds of different people. You can show, you know, all the extremes of the GLBT community. And I think by doing that, like you said, by putting your story out there, by sharing it with the world that, you know, then people can tend to learn from it and understand it. And then maybe they can say, right. you know, hey, I don't you know, that person isn't that bad because of that's who they are, you know, and, and, right. I, and it's kind of like when Will and Grace came out, you know, it, it really, uh, you know, changed the world and, and look now in the, you know, the nation, we now have marriage equality and, you know, and that's something that I years ago never would, I mean, if someone had said, oh, you know, you're going to have marriage equality, you can get married in, you know, any state in the United States, I would have went, yeah, right. You know, I know. Yeah, I, I, was, I was the same way. Visibility matters. Yes. For people to say that they'll, I, I'm trying not to get too, excuse me, too political. Yeah. But I, I have been just bashing my head against the wall, uh, because of all of these trolls talking about the women's march and talking about, um, the Keystone or excuse me, the DAPL uh, pipeline protest and all of these things. They're just like you know, shut up. Trump's the president or, or, you know, stand down. You're never going to win this fight or whatever. And clearly they haven't studied any of history because the only way shit gets changed around here is by protesting and standing up and saying no, but visibility matters. Showing a woman achieving something matters. Showing a gay man living a normal life matters because when you're young and you don't see that representation, you don't think you're normal. Yep. You don't think you can achieve those things. And and I will go to my grave spitting fiery queen that I am, <laughs> ne relentlessly fighting with anybody who tells me that, well, I just don't want you to shove it in my face. I'm like, well, I'm not shoving it in your face because you can walk away. I'm shoving it in the faces of anybody who fucking needs it. Yep. Well, I mean, that, that's really true and that's important. And that's, again, that's one of the reasons why I want to have you on the show because I wanted to hear your thoughts and and i really applaud you and what you've done and what you've accomplished and i think it's pretty awesome so um well we only have five minutes left so i kind of want to sure. 
to I wanted to ask you another quick question, then I'm going to ask you a couple of questions I normally ask every guest. But but the reason I wrote to you again lately because I see I wrote you back when the season was over and and I said, "Hey, I'd love to get you on my show." And I hadn't heard anything. And then about I think it's about a week or two weeks ago, um, I was on Facebook, um, shocking to all the people that know me. I'm addicted to Facebook. And I happened to watch a video that you had posted about uh, the, how, you know, about working three jobs and, you know, you're dealing yeah. with your apartment and and uh, how hard it is to to, you know, to deal with all that. And I thought it was very empowering and I thought it was really uh, amazing because of the struggles that you were going through and because you, you got out of apartment and you were uh, moving back with your folks and and you said, well, you cleaned the place spick and span and then they socked you with, you know, a $300 uh, fee and then you had to, you were expecting to get your payment from your work and it didn't happen and then you got stuck with all these, right. you know, all these uh, fees and everything. And, you know, and it really, you know, kind of made me think about you know, about, I think a lot of people, you know, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter how much money you have in the bank, I think a lot of people tend to forget that there's other people out there that are really, really, uh, you know, not living the way that you do. And I, and I think that, oh, 100%. yeah, and I just think that's important lesson. And I, I was just wondering, could you, could you share a little bit about that? Like I said, we only have a short amount of time, but I was just wondering if you could, yeah. you know, talk about that real quick. I mean, you know that brevity is not my strong suit, obviously. I never shut the hell up. But <laughs> um, long story short, I got charged a huge cleaning fee for my uh, apartment complex. I moved in to a, a cheaper place, and uh, I had moved out of there because it was just getting a little too expensive. And mm-hmm. uh, moved out. They charged me like a $300 cleaning fee, and I had rented a steam cleaner. Like, that place was spotless, and I keep a pretty clean living corner anyway. Right. Um, well, the, the gal called and she said, hey, we're closing out our year. I need your payment right now. I said, you know what? Fine. I'm not going to fight it. I don't have time. Um, just just go ahead and take it out of my checking account. Well, the direct deposit from my work that was supposed to hit that day never hit. For, for whatever reason, it didn't hit. Um, and they it, it took them three weeks to get me my paycheck. So what happened was this uh, $300 fee that I didn't want to pay in the first goddamn place um, ended up going to my account. I got an overdrawn check fee from the bank. I then got a $20 late fee from the apartment complex for not paying it. And then I got a $25 fee from the software company that processes these payments. So what was supposed to be a $300 bill turned into $370. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I make a decent living. I, 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 like you said, I work three jobs. I work very hard. I love what I do, but, um, no matter what you're doing uh when you're in your 20s you're poor that's <laughs> just yep. how it is yep. and so um I, I it just it astounded me and and so i'm i'm fair i'm fairly well off i did i'm doing okay for myself but i'm thinking of all these people who don't have the resources that i have who don't have the opportunities that i have Maybe they're they're dealing with a sick family member. They're just barely scraping by, making ends meet. They they have work a minimum wage job, sixty hours a week, just to provide for their kids. Um, what would happen if their direct deposit hadn't gotten put in, and they didn't have the money to pay all those bullshit fees? Yep. And and then you know you get into an endless cycle of them resubmitting the bill, getting a fee from the bank, getting a fee from them, getting a fee from the bank, and and you just dig yourself into a hole that you can't fucking crawl out of. And so for people to say that people are poor because they're not working hard enough, I have very, very seldomly in my life met people who aren't hard workers. In general, I meet people who give a shit and that want a better life for themselves. It's just that they don't have the same opportunities as you. So for you to say, pull yourself up from your bootstraps is bullshit because you're forgetting the fact that some people just don't have bootstraps. Yeah. That's really true. And well, I just wanted, I thought that was a really important thing. And I, I think that people, you know, should check that video out. And I thought it was really well done. And they, it it, okay. it sparked me writing you again. And then the funny thing is I wrote to you and said, hey, see you above. And I would love to talk to you. And then the great thing is you wrote back and you said yes. So I th- so that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm really glad I got to talk with you. The first one just got caught up in that avalanche of stuff I was dealing with after the show. Oh, but... sure. I bet it was insane. Yeah. So, okay. Well, <laughs> let me just ask you one more thing because we do have to go and the other there's another show on after mine so they're gonna gotcha. be yelling at me very soon but i'm gonna ask you the final question you probably 
already answered it earlier, but I thought I'd give you another opportunity. But see, one of the big things that I try to get out of the show is that looking at your life, looking at the good, the bad, the ugly. And I was just wondering if you were to be able to give advice to any person out there, whether it be young, old, whatever, and part of the GLBT community. Um, I was just wondering if of the different lessons in your life that you've learned, um, I was just wondering what bit of advice would you give to others? Um, well, I guess what I would say is life is going to kick your ass. It Life is just tough, and it will always be tough. That's just how it is. I got home from the show. Um, I really struggled to make my, my life work with – or my, my show life work with my real life. Um, and that was a hard balance for me to strike. And then once, right when I hit it, I had my skin removal surgery. I had planned on being out of work for a week, was out of work for three months. So I was dealing with all that. And then, um, I'm going to try to say this without crying because I, I cry about it all the time. Um, my, my mom had a stroke and was in a medical coma for a long time. And, um, that, that hit me so hard because yep. my mom is my best friend she is she is everything to me um and to not know if she was gonna make it or not was was hard um and and i kind of fell off the wagon again and i was i kind of caught myself going back into those old habits i was in that apartment that i could barely afford uh, i was eating like shit because i was i was so upset with how everything in my life was going and I saw myself falling right back into those same patterns. We can slide back in just as easily as we crawled out. Yep. Even more easily we can slide back in than, than it, we crawled out. Um, and so I, I, I made – I redeclared myself and I said, bitch, get your shit together. This is not what your mom would want you to do. This is not what you want to do. Um, figure it out. And um, I went and – auditioned for a radio station and they took a chance on me and I love it. I I'm working in the industry that I want to work in. I'm, I'm do, I'm living my goddamn dream. Like it's, it's wonderful. Um, so what I'll say is, yeah, life sucks and it's never going to stop sucking. But once you realize that it's never going to stop sucking, then you can not worry about it because if you, if you try over and over again and you fail, don't beat yourself up because yeah, life sucks. It's just, yeah. <laughs> I know that's not the most inspirational message, but um, once you once you commit to to just doing whatever you want to do and letting all the shit roll off your back, you are going to accomplish incredible things. You are going to be right where you want to be, and and the the really awesome shit that you want, you can have, but you're gonna go through a lot, and it's and and you're gonna find fabulous new ways for life to to kind of mess with you yep. but you know power through and it's going to be awesome well good well i'm I, I think that's a great advice and i really hope people take it to heart and i i just you know i lost my mom about a year and a half ago and wow. uh and i have to say that i hope that you know your mom's doing is she how's she doing right now is she okay is she doing better um yeah she's doing pretty good it's it's touch or go, but mm -hmm. this, I actually had a conversation with her and, and I kind of talked about how, you know, Ma, this is kind of like you're a loser because she's frustrated. My mom was, is stubborn and bullheaded like I am. And so when she can't do something, she just gets frustrated and has a meltdown. And, and I had to give her that same talk that our athletic trainer gave me of you're going to be bad at it and you're going to be bad at it for a long time, mm -hmm. but we're not looking for perfection. We're looking for progress. And, right. and, um, she's, she's taking that to heart and she's doing better gradually. Okay, good. Well, um, we'll send her our love and I will send her, we'll send you a billion good vibes from all the oh, listeners thanks. all over to your mom. And, uh, we wish her all the best because we know that, uh, you know, it's a tough thing. And I know there's a lot of other people like, for I'm glad that you, well, I'm not glad that you brought it up, but I'm glad that, you know, that, you know, she's. Um, you know, moving in the right direction. We're sending good vibes so that she will. Um, but I wanted to, um, uh, you know, just a side note, you know, um, that two people that are in part of the uh, Pride 48 family, which is part of the group that we're all um, part of, um, uh, one had a, uh, his name is Baloo, and he had uh, triple heart surgery, uh, triple bypass heart surgery. Um, oh, and he's man. now at home and he's mending. So I want to send some good vibes to him. And then also we have another person by the name of Christian uh, who had a heart attack, unfortunately, uh, last uh, weekend. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that 
uh, to send some good vibes to both of them and wish them all the best in, in a fast recovery. Um, in fact, uh, a lot of us in the group, which I really love, had donated money so that his sister could fly to Portland where he lives and so that she could be with him. And, uh, and so I was, I was glad that I was able to be part of that and uh, help her get there because I know, uh, again, that, you know, if you're having struggles or whatever, uh, in your life and you, you have a difficulty being able to go, I'm glad that people stepped up and helped, uh, her to be able to be with him. So I just wanted to do that real quick. Um, but Jackson, I just want to say, I really, really, uh, love talking to you. I feel like one hour wasn't enough time, uh, but I just want to. But I just want to say thank you so much for sharing and uh, being on the show. And I just want to ask you a real quick question: if you could, if there's any way that people on social media could find you, like on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, if you'd like to share real quick, and then we'll say goodbye. Oh yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram as Jackson Witt, J A C K S O N W H I T T. Okay. Don't spell Jackson with an X, or I will lose my mind um and then uh facebook it's just jackson carter it's a public figure page um and i post all of um my current happenings over there okay great all right awesome well i just want to say thank you again for being on the show i hope you had a good time absolutely all right great well folks i'm gonna we're gonna say goodbye for now but if you could do me a favor go to my website ramblerated.com and leave a comment about this episode as well as all the others that you've been listening to don't forget you can pick up the phone dial 574-807-9171 you can also email me at rambleredhead at gmail.com so don't forget that the crazy redhead from indiana wishes you all the best and i hope you have a great week and i'll be back next week to ramble on more and more and more so you take care and uh jackson why don't you say goodbye to all the lovely listeners Bye, kids. A pleasure. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to say goodbye. So take care, everybody. Have a great one. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Okay.